cost of discipleship, the cost of ministry, the cost of being a Christian. Hmm. Now, some denominations, in some denominations, the the pastor gets to choose where they want to serve. Sometimes they choose where they serve by starting their own church. In other denominations, a church calls its own pastor, sometimes from a pool of eligible candidates, other times just anybody that they want or people who apply for the position. In the United Methodist Church, as is true in several other denominations, clergy are appointed by bishops to serve congregations as is best determined by the bishop and the cabinet of assistants, advisors, and district superintendents. You have to trust that the bishop and the cabinet make the right decision for the pastor and the church. That takes a lot of trust. That takes a lot of faith sometimes. Each system has its advantages, and each system has its disadvantages. In every kind of ministry, there are usually and should be, there are some common costs. You have to give up a great deal of autonomy in your life. Your ministry should be focused upon others, the members of your congregation, the people in your community with whom you serve, amongst whom you live, who you're trying to reach out toward with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And above all and through all and in all, God, you're called to focus your time and your attention, your life, your efforts upon the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, the love of God shown forth in His life, His death, His resurrection, in His teachings, in His preaching, in His healing, in His forgiving, in His giving. You're called to proclaim that good news in good times and in bad times, in happy times and in sad times, when it's easy and when it's hard, when it's scary. When you don't know, if you even believe it yourself, you still have to stand up there and you still have to proclaim that message. One of the things I love about the lectionary is that it forces a preacher to preach a message not, that's not their own. It, it forces pastors to go to passages and preach on portions of the scripture that you'd rather avoid, like this one today. Hmm. Costs of ministry can be great, can be pretty steep, but having done it for 30 plus years now, the benefits, what we get from it, the personal, emotional, spiritual, intellectual fulfillment that comes from being in ministry with and to others is incalculable. Hmm. The cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus has enormous benefits, but also enormous costs. They're pretty steep. You can see that in what Jesus says today in Luke chapter 14. Now, large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, life and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my 
disciple. The way Luke phrases the very beginning of the passage makes it clear that Jesus is offering these words in contrast to the size of the crowds that were following him, that were gathering to travel along with him. The message isn't one like you would hear amongst and from many evangelists. I mean, think about it. You, you sometimes would hear, you know, t- remember TV evangelists from back in the 70s and 80s and early 90s? I mean, come to Jesus and everything will be wonderful. You'll have peace and contentment. And you'll never have to worry or fear for anything. Usually the organist will start to play something nice. Just as I am. And, the, and then he'll call the people to come. Just make a decision for Jesus. Open your heart to him. And everything will be sweetness and life for all eternity. No, that's not this message. That's not what Jesus is saying here today. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. When I was first learning the New Testament Greek, one of the first words I wanted to learn the meaning of was the one being translated by the word hate here in Luke 14.26. The word is misuo, and it is a very nuanced word in the Greek. It doesn't have a simple meaning. It has a whole sheaf of meanings. It means to have an aversion to a dislike or detest. Yes, hate. It can be a strong word, a word filled with emotion. It has that ability in the literature. But there's also the Greek word katafroneo, which is often translated despise and can also mean hate elsewhere in the New Testament, as well as in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's somewhat stronger in terms of adversarial emotions, and it's found nine times in the New Testament alone. There's also another word, apostugeo, which is uh, in one form or another found at least three times in the New Testament, and it means hateful, and abhorrent. So there are other words for hate to be found in the New Testament other than just misio. But the misio is the most common word. It has more meanings to it than just to hate, to dislike, or detest. It also means to be disinclined to, to disfavor, or disregard in comparison to something else. I misio asparagus. Now, I will eat asparagus, especially if it's paired up with a really nice steak. But I prefer broccoli over asparagus. Misuo asparagus. Okay, you see? I prefer something else over asparagus. Misuo, that word would apply here. To prefer less, to hold in less regard. Okay? I misuo modern classical music over 
the romantic and Baroque period of classical music. You hear that? I mean, modern's okay, but I prefer something with a melody that I can enjoy and remember. Hmm. And apart from the scores from movies, it's modern classical music sometimes misses that mark for me. Hmm. The word misuo can have that emotional content of hatred. But there are other Greek words that have that meaning too and are used more frequently when the intent is true hatred, true abhorrence. Jesus is using the word here relative to mothers and fathers and wives and children and sisters and brothers. Yes, but he's probably using it more in the sense of prefer him and his ministry over them. Still pretty hard. Still pretty difficult. Preferring them less. Preferring Jesus more is not easy. Even when it comes to family members, I mean, come on, we all have family members that we misuo quite nicely, don't we? We would rather not be around them very much. We have to be there at Christmas and at birthdays and holidays. And you know what? That's okay, I suppose. But in small doses, they're fine. But for the most part, I prefer them less over others' family members that I don't mind being around at all and love spending time with. We all have somebody, a brother or a sister or a cousin or a nephew or an aunt, uncle or parent that, quite frankly, we misuo. We prefer less. Yeah, we do. We all have somebody like that in our lives. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. It's a hard saying. I don't want to water it down any. It's a difficult saying. It's one of those hard sayings of Jesus that, quite frankly, I want to skip. I don't want to preach on this. I was looking at the lectionaries. I was praying this over a month ago. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, is there any way that I can avoid this? I preached on it a bunch of times, but I'd rather not preach on it today. And usually when I have that feeling, and usually when I start thinking like that, that's usually God trying to tell me. That's usually the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, you know what, Greg, you need to preach on that. If you don't want to preach on it, guess what? That's usually God saying, preach on it. Well, let's, let's try to adjust the translation some. That's usually a good trick. Preachers love doing that. I've done it plenty of times. I'm doing it right now. Let's adjust the translation slightly. Let's change out the word hate with the word prefer less. Whoever comes to me and does not prefer less father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Well, that feels a little better, doesn't it? Prefer less than me. Matthew had such a problem with this that when he was working on his translation in the New Testament, when he was writing his gospel, Matthew actually did that. Chose a different phrase than the word mishuo to try to soften the blow of the harshness of Jesus' word here. 
Most scholars agree Jesus probably used whatever Hebrew word best translates into Greek as masiwo, hates, disregards, prefers less relative to me. Hmm. The cost of discipleship is pretty steep. And in our society, we have problems with that. We can't even set aside, we can't even prefer less. Ooh, wow. We can't even prefer less the church. We, we, we prefer country and politics, cars and boats, college, college or professional football, right here, and basketball or baseball even. We, we prefer those over church and certainly over God. And in case you've missed the true enormity of the cost, Jesus immediately makes it worse. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We have an unrealistic, stylized, sanitized understanding of the cross in modern 21st century Western Christianity. We sing gospel hymns about cherishing the cross, loving the cross, embracing the cross, gathering beneath the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. At the cross, we forget that in Jesus' day, the cross was an instrument of Roman execution. This is a hard, difficult calling that Jesus is laying out for these crowds who were thronging to follow him. It's hard for the disciples to hear it, and it was harder for them to hear it. It's hard calling, a hard calling that Jesus has for us. He takes a step back. He takes a step back from the emotionally laden concepts like hating mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters and life itself. He, he takes a step back from talking about carrying the cross, the instrument of execution that he would eventually hang on. He steps back from these heavy emotional terms then to speak a little more intellectually and talks about the importance of a man who is building a tower preparing for it, doing the calculations necessary to see about the foundation and see about the structure of it and does he have the resources, the money, the time and the people to actually finish that tower. And, and he talks about the importance of a, a military general or a king um, taking, considering can he with his forces of 10,000 combat a group that's facing him with 20,000 and if he can't then he needs to sue for peace. He talks about these concepts, these ideas preparing the way, being prepared, being ready, 
being clear-eyed as to what you're facing and the ways to get to the end of it. He backs off from that emotional stuff and speaks very pragmatically. If you're going to start, be ready to finish. If you're going to begin, take it through to the end. If you're going to follow me, in other words, then follow me to the very end. That's what Jesus does here. And then he ends it in a very weird way. So he starts with, you know, hating, preferring less father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters in life itself. He, he, he starts with carrying a cross. He, he, he shifts to this intellectual approach of being prepared to follow it through to the end. And then he concludes it with, so therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. Ooh. Right there, Jesus starts meddling. <laughs> Giving up all our possessions. Is that really what Jesus is calling us to do here? Giving up all. Not some. Not the ones that are just too heavy to carry around. Because if you think about it, you try to put it into a pragmatic position. Jesus is, a, is an itinerant rabbi. He's traveling around and preaching in many different places. If you're going to be following him day after day after day after day, you can't hook up a U-Haul truck or a U-Haul trailer to your camel and follow Jesus. It just doesn't work that way, friends. You're going to have to give it all up. Set it all aside. Give it away. Sell it. You're going to have to get rid of all your possessions if you're really going to follow Jesus throughout Galilee and his preaching and teaching. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you've got to really follow him. And that means setting aside all your stuff. That's a pretty high calling. The cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus is really high. Why? This sudden switch in focus, or is it a switch in focus, from preferring Jesus over family, carrying your cross, and planning through from the beginning to the end? Is this really a shift in focus then to giving up possessions? Well, the question is what is hindering you from following Jesus? Now, for most of us, stuff owns us, we don't own stuff. I mean, you know the old joke, dogs have owners and cats have staff? Well, stuff owns us. There are people who have died in natural disasters because they couldn't leave their stuff, their homes, their property. They couldn't leave the junk of their life and they end up dying because of it. What owns you? Is it your stuff? If it is, you've got to give it up to follow Jesus. Do you prefer family? Do you prefer comfortable living? Do you prefer 
just going willy-nilly from day to day, not having a plan about your life? If you do, any of these, you, and Jesus is clear here, you cannot be my disciple. The cost of discipleship is steep, friends. The cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus is high. But the benefits, the relationship with God, the relationship with others is higher. The calling to carry your cross, the calling to love God and love neighbor over all else brings with it a spiritual dimension and a spiritual gift that is beyond our estimation. And yet we all, myself included, we look at our stuff, we look at our lives and our schedules, we look at what we want out of life, we look at our families and we think to ourselves, I can't do this. That's scary, isn't it? The calling that Jesus has on us to follow in love and acceptance and faith, the calling that Jesus has for us to follow and to serve and to be God's people in this broken and hurting world, the calling to discipleship that Jesus has for us, it's scary if we're honest with it. But the calling brings with it spiritual rewards that are beyond our comprehension. A relationship with God, a relationship with others, a true, not a false or a surface relationship, a true relationship with others. The grace of Jesus flowing through us to others. The call to discipleship brings with it opportunities and brings with it blessings but it also brings with it responsibilities caring for others my sisters and brothers as you come to the table of the Lord today as you put out your hands and receive the offered gift of our Lord's body and blood as you partake of the means of grace here Hear the voice of God. Hear the voice of Jesus. Hear the voice of the Holy One speaking to you, calling you to Him, calling you to carry your cross, calling you to serve, calling you to be about a life not governed by stuff, possessions, plans, but governed by God's grace. God's calling on your life, God's love for you. Come to the table of the Lord, receive the gift of grace, and know the love of Jesus, which empowers our discipleship, which enables our service and our giving and our loving. In the name of the Father.